Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, was it a uh, relaxing bye week for you? It was a great Saturday for Oklahoma State to be on bye week. Just kind of hang out and watch everybody else lose. Yeah, Carson, that was great. A couple of other Big 12 potential Big 12 championship contenders fall, uh, and that's just good for Oklahoma State. Um, the less teams there are with more loss, or the more teams there are with more losses in conference, the easier it is to get to Jerry's world. So all in all, pretty good Saturday, I would think, for the Pokes. A uh, really good Saturday, and uh, you know Baylor got a big win uh, on the road at Iowa State, but OU and Texas both going down. We're going to talk about the Big 12 at large and everything that took place over the bye week. But uh, first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com uh, for all your cowboy shopping needs. Um, holiday season's not too far away. I mean, Christmas will be here before we know it. So we got to get to Halloween and Thanksgiving beforehand, but be sure to stop by Chris's if you're in Stillwater, Cowboys on the road this week against Baylor. We'll have a full pod previewing that matchup in the weekend's games. But let's review the bye week that was, Colby. And I think we need to start in Norman, Oklahoma. You know, I actually went to um, a little neighborhood get-together in uh, my girlfriend's neighborhood. And they're all Sooner fans. All of them diehard OU fans. And I kept asking, hey, you guys worried about K-State at all? No, we're not worried about them. They lost to Tulane. They're not any good. We just killed Nebraska. And I, I kept trying to tell them, I go, look, I don't know what happened up in Manhattan against Tulane, but you know they were being super vanilla, getting ready for OU. They clearly, that was clearly a look-ahead loss for them looking at Oklahoma. And I was like, Chris Kleiman kind of has y'all's number. Uh, he knows how to attack OU's defense and certainly get the best out of them. They've won in Norman more than uh, just about anybody. I think Brett McMurphy had the stat. They've only lost nine times in Norman since 2012. I think K-State was five of those. And so, Colby, I tried to warn them, and uh, it was thorough, a thorough win for Kansas State. They led wire to wire. First time OU's lost wire to wire since 2016 and uh, kind of shook up uh, Soonerland and shook up the Big 12 in, in the process. Yeah, they did. I mean, uh, OU did not outscore Kansas State in a single quarter. Kansas State outscored them by seven in the first quarter. They tied every quarter the rest of the way. And it was a pretty, I mean, I don't want to say dominating because they didn't pull away from Oklahoma, but they were up by two touchdowns with a couple of minutes left before OU drove down to make the final score a little bit more respectful. And Carson, it, it's not something that I saw coming. I, I just... Um, I, I said last week I thought OU was going to beat them by 17. I, I probably read too much. I probably overreacted to the Kansas State loss more so than the OU win because, I, I mean, everybody knows how I feel about Nebraska. I think that, I mean, there's a chance that they weren't even the best team on OU's non-conference schedule uh, with what we saw Kent State do Saturday against Georgia. So I didn't really read too much into the Nebraska win for OU. I just really thought there's no way a team that just put up 10 points at home against Tulane and lost that football game could go to Norman and win. And not only did they go to Norman and win, 
I mean, they won pretty handily, and it did not look fluky. They looked like the better, more physical team. Uh, and I think it was Marshall Scott who had a great tweet Saturday night. said, if you're wondering who won in the Adrian Martinez-Nebraska split, don't. And that's about right because Adrian Martinez looked really good, especially on the ground. Carson, 21 carries, 148 yards, and four touchdowns for Adrian Martinez. He added another one through the air, nearly 400 all-purpose yards. Uh, Deuce Vaughn rushes for more than 100, 5.6 yards a carry for Kansas State, they bullied OU and Norman on Saturday night, and I did not see it coming. Yeah, and the, the backbreaker was the third and 16 that Martinez ran for about 55 yards. I mean, just backbreaking play. Apparently, they had a spy on him, and that guy got blocked too. And just, I think it tells us, Colby, like as much as the defense looked improved for Oklahoma through, you know, the first non conference portion of schedule is. They still have a lot of the same problems. I mean, their secondary has a tough time covering. They couldn't stop the run. Uh, their defensive line's not what it was the last couple of years. They've lost some NFL guys. And Kansas State just, their offensive line dominated the football game, in my opinion. I mean, OU came into this game number one in the country in tackles for loss. They didn't have any. They only had, I think, four quarterback pressures. I mean, they, they couldn't touch Adrian Martinez. And when they tried to, he took off and ran. And that's something that... Um, you know, I, I, keep, I maintain, even though, and I'll get to use offense, but I maintain that they're not as good on offense despite them putting up 550 yards on a really good Kansas State defense. I think a lot of that had to do with being down most of the game and uh, the fact K-State ran a ton of plays. Naturally, when a team runs more than 80 plays, your offense is going to get more plays as well and, and get to run more plays and gain more yards. But I think we can slow our roll a little bit about the OU defense being – so much improved that they can win with that side of the football and win a big 12 championship. And then specifically looking at Adrian Martinez, this is two straight years. He's gone to Norman. He almost won as the quarterback in Nebraska last year in Norman and certainly, you know, looked amazing against Oklahoma yet again this year. And I think it's really exciting from an Oklahoma state perspective. Colby is we've seen Spencer use his legs magnificently this year so far. I think this is further proof that when it comes to the game in Norman, you got to you got to cut them loose. You can't be conservative. You got to let them run because that's clearly a, an easy way to exploit this OU defense. Yeah, Carson, it's interesting because the, the physicality of that game kind of changed how I viewed OU this season. I mean, we went into Saturday, and I told you last week, I think OU and OSU are establishing themselves as the clear one and two in this conference, and I no longer feel that way after watching Kansas State push OU around on Saturday. I feel like maybe it's OSU and Baylor, and, and now Oklahoma State is uh, a two-and-a-half-point dog in Waco on Saturday. I don't know what's going to happen in that game. So, yes, we, we've all kind of – we were on our high horses on Twitter and kind of letting them have it, and rightfully so. I mean, they, they were bullied by Kansas State, but I don't know what to make of this conference – if that's what Kansas State know you look like when uh, when matched up head to head, because like you said, Carson, some of the deficiencies uh, that we've seen from Oklahoma are still there. Uh, shockingly, no, Brent Venables was not able to come in and turn water to wine. It's you you can only do so much in your first year. A bunch of guys move out. Uh, it, it's just. Man, it was such a dominating performance against Nebraska. And even though we all knew Nebraska was terrible, still tried to take something from it, and, and there just wasn't anything there. So I, I, it really changed how I view OU the rest of the season. I, 
I don't know that that's a team that I see playing in Jerry's world because I, I think that they're pretty average on both lines. I mean, just kind of good, not great. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's stats were good, but man, he missed a couple of key throws. I, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, I mean, I think he's obviously a good quarterback, but I think he's just good, right? And OU's used to elite at that position. OU's had elite at that position for a long time now. Uh, and I think Dylan Gabriel's good, but I think he's just kind of a stopgap guy until they get to their next elite player. He, his arm strength is good. It's not great. His accuracy is good. It's not great. He's a good runner of the football. He's not a great runner of the football. So he's a good college quarterback. But OU has had, Carson, great college quarterbacks who, when other things are going wrong, and you need them to just say, no, 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 we're not losing this game because I'm that guy. Dylan Gabriel, again, Good college quarterback, but I don't know if he is that guy. So I, I didn't see a team Saturday night that I think is going to play in Jerry's world. No, we'll see what they look like going forward because we've seen OU lay eggs against Kansas State and then run the rest of the Big 12, and it's entirely possible that that could happen again. But I don't know. I, I don't see the elite play at quarterback. Uh, I don't see a, a great line on either side. And, I mean, those two things, if I'm an OU fan, would have me very concerned that they could be sitting at home again the first Saturday in December watching two other teams play for the conference title well and i think that's where if you're an oklahoma state fan like it's really exciting looking at the outlook of the big 12 because this is gonna be the first time gosh since when that oklahoma state will have the better quarterback in bedlam i i, I wanted to go back to the mason rudolph era but he was going up against baker mayfield uh maybe the year in 2014 when when mason went down and beat ou and they had cody thomas playing quarterback that's 2014, I guess, is the last time Oklahoma State will have the better quarterback. And uh, I, I, real quick, can, can I cut you off real quick? I yeah, think there's an argument to be made. Let's see what Caleb Williams turns into. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not hearing that. Caleb Williams is really good. <laughs> I, I think so, too, but I, we haven't seen it all yet. So I, I, let's get to another year or two of Caleb Williams, and maybe we'll look back at 2021 differently. I agree Caleb Williams is very good. Um, I, I think that that's a possibility depending on whether he fully realizes his potential. That's true. And, like, as good as I think Caleb Williams is, and he certainly has shown, you go back to last year really struggled against Kansas, really struggled against Baylor. Uh, when he played against some of the better defenses, he looked pretty ordinary. And he, he looked pretty ordinary against Oregon State this week. He didn't put up very good numbers at all in that game. And that was a game that the point total was 70. The over-under was 70 in that game. It wasn't like they were playing a team they expected to really slow them down. So that, that's a fair point. And I just think that's been such a difference maker. We can talk about Bedlam and Mike Gundy's game planning going into that game specifically when they play in Norman all we want, but quarterbacks win games. <laughs> and that's been the, the key difference. You go back to that 2017 Bedlam game in Stillwater. I mean, Mason Rudolph was unbelievable, but Baker was simply better. He had 600 yards passing in that game. It was out of this world. And so that's what they've been dealing with. So you take that away. And I totally agree with you. I was a little harsh in my assessment. I called Gabriel just a guy. Uh, I don't think it's that far off from that. I think he's better. He's better than average. Certainly. He's not just a guy per se, but it just, it's already wearing me out Colby on the radio and post games and all that. Everyone's like Dylan Gabriel had 440 yards and four touch or 330 yards and four touchdowns and 60 yards rushing, no turnovers. It, he's not the problem. And while I think they lost the game on defense, certainly did Oklahoma giving up that many yards and points to a pedestrian Kansas state offense. There were times in that game 
where the game was going could have been won. And Gabriel has shown in every game so far this year, he misses open receivers. I mean, he had Drake Stoops wide open for a touchdown, had him wide open on a, another play on I believe it was on fourth down. He's not making the throws that in tight games in the Big 12 you have to make. And so I'm really reassessing where Oklahoma's at. I, I've been saying for all season, their offensive line's not good. It, it, we are so used to facing an Oklahoma team that has five NFL caliber offensive linemen on it. They are way far away from that. Now, they ran the ball decently against a really good Kansas State defense, but it's not the same OU that we've seen for the last 10 years, frankly. And that, to me, is exciting for the outlook for, for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and it sounds like you agree with my, my take kind of that Dylan Gabriel is good, but there's not really one aspect of his game that you would look at as, as special or elite. Are you kind of with me there? Uh, I would totally agree. I mean, he's he's the best they could have gotten in the transfer portal. Now, I think he's way, way closer to the Spencer Sanders of the world of the last few years. I, I think Spencer's jumped up a level this year. Uh, and that means he'll he'll put up good numbers. He can move the offense. But I'm talking when the chips are down. I mean, this guy hasn't played in a ton of big games like Oklahoma's going to be playing in, playing out of UCF. Now, UCF had a great, great run with him down there, but this is a whole different deal. And frankly, Colby, OU doesn't have the skill talent that they're used to having on at receiver. I think Marvin Mims is a really good player, but at a certain point, He's only had 37 – the most catches he's had in a year is 37. I believe he had 33 the year before. And as good of a player he as he is, and he only got four catches against uh, Kansas State, at a certain point, is that the coaches failing him, or is he just not a guy that gets open consistently and demands the football like you know the great wide receivers they've had over the years? I think that's a huge question because past him, they've got some nice pieces in Jaleel Farouk and, and Theo Weiss. Those are good, good receivers, but they don't have – just the the game winners that they've had at the running back and at the receiver positions as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've gone from Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, some of these other guys in the backfield, Marquise Brown, uh, C.D. Lamb, Mark Andrews. By the way, I saw a stat a while ago. Mark Andrews in his last 17 games, which is what an NFL season is now, has like 116 catches, almost 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, these are elite stats in the NFL. These are elite NFL players. And, uh, yeah, OU just doesn't have as many of those guys right now, Carson. And I, I you know, whenever OU loses one that, uh, that they're double digit favors. Everybody knows I like to take my shot on Twitter. And I did a little bit because, you know, a lot of talk about the toughness, the physicality, the discipline, all these things under Brent Venables. And I get it. It's your one, but all these things were still being talked about and they were not the more physical team Saturday night, Carson, but also Kansas state had six penalties for 37 yards. Oklahoma state had, pardon me, Oklahoma had 11 penalties for 87 yards. And some of those were in big spots. Carson, third and 16 from Adrian Martinez. It might not happen if on second and 12, you don't have the guy in the flat stop setting up a third and 11 and you grab him by his face mask. There were a couple of face masks throughout the game. There were key penalties on third down. 11 for 87 in a home conference game. That that just, I, I don't know, the the discipline and toughness that we were sold with Venables 
very much was not on display the first time that they were really tested this season. And I'm very curious to see how he, as a first-year head coach, bounces back because, uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of been the calling card and, and what it was supposed to be under Venables. And the discipline was not there Saturday night, Carson. So, like you said, I, I think a dip for Oklahoma is coming at the right time for Oklahoma State. We've talked about we don't know how long Bedlam is going to last. But, yeah, I mean, this was Oklahoma's conference for about five years, and it kind of seems like it's turning and it's there for the taking. Uh, man, I, I just I hope OSU can take it. I, I know they lost some things on defense. Uh, I know we still have some question marks about Oklahoma State, but they're looking pretty good right now, uh, as are the Baylor Bears. The, the loss against BYU wasn't great, but they looked good Saturday, especially defensively. Uh, three more things from Norman real quick. Did you see the PA guy was trying to yell boomer and have the fans yell sooner while OU was on offense and it forced their offensive line to, to false start? Yikes. No, I did not see that. That's brutal. Eddie uh, Radosevich tweeted out the video of it uh, this morning. <laughs> I encourage people to check it out. Like, it was a total failure from the offense, defense, special teams, and the PA guy. Like, that, I bet, I bet Brent and his staff have let the uh, game operations people have it. And uh, number two on my list, did you see the male cheerleader getting in Adrian Martinez's face after he had the, yeah. the game, basically the game winning, you know, scramble for a first down? Yeah, he iced the game with a 50-yard run on third and 16. Who is this guy getting in his face? I mean, was he talking trash to the guy who just went 21-148 for four touchdowns on the ground? I, that was uh, that was a real bad look from whoever guy that guy is. Yeah, and of course, Oklahoma State had that male cheerleader try to trip Eric Stryker at the end of Bedlam oh, yeah. in 2013. So I'm not one to throw stones in a glass house, but you're down on the f- – it's a privilege for those folks to be down on the field. You don't need to be talking trash to the guys that are actually playing the game. Like, that's not why you're down there. And if you're going to do that while you're down there, you shouldn't be on the field at all. Uh, I thought that was a, just a, a terrible look. And I thought I, lo- I liked your tweet about how you had a first down late after they had pretty much already lost the game and they played Boomer Sooner. Is that, was that your tweet? Yeah, I tweeted uh, they just got a first down trailing 41-27 with 90 seconds left and played Boomer Sooner. It was pretty funny. And I, I quote tweeted it with that. That uh, that gif of the girl like bawling, crying, but also trying to do like a TikTok dance. <laughs> I thought so, that kind of summed up the end of the game uh, uh, perfectly. But uh, yeah, you mentioned it, uh, Baylor. Were you as surprised as I was that Baylor was an underdog going up to Ames? Yes, that line was so weird. I, I've got a buddy who texts me sometimes and asks for my thoughts uh, on some games, and he, he wants me to give him three every week. And I was like, well, I've got to find two more. But I, but Baylor's an auto play. I. I didn't get it. It didn't make sense. Baylor goes up there as an underdog. Now Oklahoma State's going to Waco as an underdog. I mean, some of these lines are just weird. And, and that Baylor-Iowa State line, Carson, it's the classic line that we talk about that scares you and there must be something weird going on there. There was nothing weird going on there. It was just a bad line from Vegas. Baylor was a much better team. Were they up like 31-17? Uh, 31-14, I thought. Yeah, something like that. And they... They really controlled that game, and I, I thought it was a weird line, too. I bet it. I mean, I, I'm going to take Baylor plus the points on the road against an Iowa State team that, you know, had a nice win against uh, their arch rival Iowa. But uh, Baylor's good, and I think my concern about them after they lost it at BYU was their offense. And I think we saw a much better performance from Blake Shapin. He had 238 through the air and three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Baylor's good, man. They're going to be a tough out in the Big 12. I picked them to win the conference, and – it's looking like it's still live. You know, they're obviously undefeated in Big 12 play. I think 
man, if Colby, if, if they happen to beat Oklahoma State this week, I mean, they've got a huge jump on the league with OU, Texas, and Oklahoma State already having a loss. Yeah, this is such a big game Saturday between Oklahoma State and Baylor. I, I don't know that I can remember a time when your opening conference game was going to carry as much weight in determining the eventual conference champion as this year because Baylor looks good, especially defensively. Shapin looks good. Uh, that was a strong performance in uh, in Ames. And I don't think that that's a great Iowa State team, but I think that's a decent Iowa State team. I think they'll probably end up winning seven games somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, you know, this, this Decker's kid that they've got, good, not great. Uh, don't run the ball too well. But I think that that's an okay Iowa State team who's still coached very well by Matt Campbell. And I thought Baylor really – in the second half, kind of physically manhandled them. Iowa State scored 10 late. Uh, I did look. Baylor scored early in the fourth to go up 31-14, to 14, and then uh, Iowa State came back and scored late, kicked a field goal, 55 seconds left. So, uh, yeah, I thought Baylor was a much more physical team. And, I mean, Carson, opening conference game on the road – and there are huge implications as to how the Big 12 is determined and who winds up at Jerry's World. Um, look, I'm glad Oklahoma State stayed healthy in the non-con. Coming off this bye is, is going to be nice, giving you that extra week to prep for Baylor. The nine or ten straight weeks are going to be brutal, but this is a highly, uh, hugely important game for Oklahoma State, so I'm not totally hating the bye week right now, and, man, I really hope they can get this one. Yeah, it's huge, and we'll we'll preview it uh, later in the week. And, um, yeah, I I think the last time their opening Big 12 game was this, you know, important was when they went to Waco. And I think Justice Hill had that fumble in that game kind of late. Uh, they lost that game in Waco. And that was a year that they they were really good by the end of the year. And you just wish they would have played them a little later in the season because their offense really figured things out that year. So uh, Dave Aranda is a good coach, man. He, he knows what he's doing on defense and uh, snapped. Iowa State had won 11 straight Big 12 games at home. So that's that's an impressive road win. Wow. Uh, for Baylor and uh, sets up just a monumental Big 12 matchups. 2:30, and we get a day game. Uh, every game's been at night so far for Oklahoma State, so that'll be that'll be a big time atmosphere down there in, in Waco. And Oklahoma State will definitely have their hands full. Uh, I was a week early, Colby, on picking the Longhorns to lose. I had them going down to UTSA. I thought that was a really good performance by them to kind of pull away in that game and what was a tough spot. But they go to Lubbock. And uh, Texas is indeed not back, Colby. Just no school can handle prosperity the way that the Texas Longhorns do. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. What an absolute bunch of bums Texas is. 31-17, they lead Texas Tech. They are so good at blowing leads. I mean, since Steve Sarkeesian got there, they have just been a really, really good football team for two and a half, three quarters. And that fourth quarter, it's just way, way, way too much. Texas Tech even gave them a gift, letting them get down into field goal range with 21 seconds left. Let's take this thing to overtime. And then your best player drops the ball. And, I mean, they were talking on the broadcast like it was helmet to ball. It was just a standard tackle as a running back hits the hole and he drops the ball. Uh, and then they let Texas Tech drive it down their throats to the five-yard line, take a knee for an easy field goal. Texas is just... Every time I, I told you, Carson, Alabama played down to their opponent in Austin that Saturday. It, it was a weird game. It was fluky and, and it was not indicative of what Texas is as a team or as a program. I told you the day after uh, they, they lost by a point to Alabama. Yeah, that's a seven and five Texas team. And I still feel that way. I think that's a, I think it's a seven and five Texas team. And for that to happen, by the way, they just lost to one of the worst, supposedly worst teams in the conference for them to get to seven and five. They have to go five and three the rest of the way. 
way. Um, five and three, it might not happen for, for the Texas Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian better be careful because those boosters are not known as the most patient group of people. Your point about giving up leads. Last year, they led Oklahoma 28 to seven loss. They led Oklahoma State 17 to three and were on, in Oklahoma State's red zone lost. And they were up 21 to 10 on Baylor last year and lost. So, yeah, I think that's, that's more than a trend. That's a team that can get worn out in the span of a, a full football game. And you're right. Like, Tech, who is the worst team in the Big 12? Because you look at what Kansas is doing. They, they beat Duke at home undefeated. Their quarterback, I think, should be on Heisman list. The guy's been unbelievable. Uh, they're undefeated. Kansas State just won in Norman. And the, the two-lane fluke notwithstanding, like those are two games that Texas could absolutely lose. Who's the worst team in the conference? I, I might go with West Virginia or Tech, but I was curious to, to who you thought it would be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, West Virginia, they played Pitt right down to the wire. I don't know how good Pitt is, but, I mean, they, they should have won that game if they don't just uh, totally implode at the end. TCU, we haven't really seen anything out of. They beat SMU 42-34. Um, Carson, I don't know who the worst team in this conference is. It's been easy year over year to pick that team out because it's been Kansas and they've been a laughing stock. Kansas is 4-0, should be ranked. It's a joke that they're not ranked. Some of these teams that they put over Kansas just because uh, of their logo or the conference they play in is a disaster. But West Virginia beats Virginia Tech 33-10. to uh, You know, Iowa State finally gets over the Iowa hurdle. I don't know. It might be Iowa State. I'd probably say... Ah, uh, Iowa State, TCU, or Tech, one of those three, if I, if I had to tell you today on September 26th? Yeah, TCU's a good, good answer. They, they play Oklahoma this week. That'll be an interesting game down in uh, Fort Worth. It's probably still Tech. I know they just beat Texas, but I, I'd probably go with Tech. I mean, that's a game they're obviously going to get up for. That's their, their biggest rival. Um, that might be just one of those spots where they just they got up and, and – Texas played down at the competition, but I'd probably go with Tech. But, but no, the Big 12 is good. Like, are they as good at the top, the very tip top, like Oklahoma? No. But top to bottom, like, there's no weeks off now. Now that Kansas has their stuff together, Tech proved they can beat a good team. Um, Texas does, apparently, they might get Quinn Ewers back next week. Who does Texas play next week? I'm pulling up their schedule. Uh, Texas. West Virginia at home. At home. So, Bad news for the Longhorns. Yeah, and they got OU the following week. So I wonder how much, you know, they're going to be focused on Oklahoma, just thinking, ah, we're back home. It's West Virginia. We'll win this one and get right for Oklahoma. So, but the Big 12 is good, Colby. Top to bottom, like, it's, there's, there's no easy weeks in this conference. No, there's not, Carson. It wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the season, and some Oklahoma State fans probably don't want to hear this, it would not shock me if two teams playing against each other in Jerry's world have two conference losses. Because, I mean, Oklahoma State has to go nine weeks in a row. And like we just said, no weeks off. I mean, let's say you even drop one you're not supposed to. Let's say you lose to either. I'm going to rattle off five teams. TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Iowa State or Kansas. That's five games. You should win all five. Let's say you lose one that you should win, one of those five. Now you've got those four games against Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Texas. You've got to go 4-0 in those to, to finish the season 11-1. If you drop one, you shouldn't. I, it's going to be tough for, for a team to go 8-1 and one in conference this year in the Big 12. There's some interesting lines this week uh, in, in the Big 12. Carson, any, any guesses on what the spread is for OUTCU? Have you seen any of these yet? But I would guess Oklahoma's a 
10 point favorite. Oklahoma is a seven point favorite in TCU, and uh, that's even money if you want to bet on OU. TCU plus the seven is juiced at minus 120. Uh, so that line could be coming down to six and a half. What about Texas Tech at Kansas State? Two teams coming off big upset wins. Oh, I was going to guess K State by 10. I'll say seven. It is seven. Good line. Yeah, it is minus seven and Kansas State as the favorite is juice minus the 120. Uh, All right. Last one we'll do. Texas at home hosting West Virginia. Oh, I'll go 11. Uh, 11, uh, 10. Texas is a 10-point favorite at home. Uh, And I said last one, but Kansas is is a phenomenon right now. Sweeping the nation. So the Jayhawks at home hosting Iowa State. Vegas might be telling us a little something here about who they think is the worst team in the Big 12. They're not going to favor Kansas, are they? I'll, I'll I'll say Iowa State's a three point favorite. You nailed it on the money. Iowa State minus three. That's a good guess by you. Uh, yeah, Kansas at home, still a three-point dog. Tells us that uh, Vegas maybe thinks Kansas is a little fluky, and I get that. They've been bad for 15 years, but, uh, man, I, I really, I'm really i rooting for Kansas. I hope they beat Iowa State and keep this little Cinderella story going. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State did lose to Baylor, you know, one of the favorites in the league. So I, I, I just I can't envision Vegas sitting there going, are we really going to favor Kansas in this game? We, we can't do that. So I think they're going to want to see one more time from Kansas before they make them a home favorite to uh, a team that's been, you know, in the upper echelon of the Big 12 for the past several years. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. By the way, Marshall Scott tweeted out, uh, and I agree. Mike Gundy on 230 kicks. College football, when it's supposed to be played. I agree, Carson. I love me a 230 kick. I do love that. It gives you a chance to not be up at the crack of dawn, but also watch a football game and then have – you know, the, the evening open to do some stuff. So I, I love 230 kicks. Now, when you actually go to the games, you usually like sunburn to all get out those 230 games at Boom Pickens. But um, no, that'll be great TV window, a lot of exposure. And you don't give the home crowd all day to get uh, lubed up with the, uh, the alcoholic beverages either. Yeah, that's a good point. It's 2.30 next Saturday against Tech, too. That one's already out. So back-to-back 2.30s after uh, opening the season with only night kicks. And next Saturday against Tech is a home game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of 2.30 kicks. Try to make it down there for Tech. We'll, we'll see. Uh, bullets and BBs time. What do you got for me this week, Colby? Uh, I might be stepping on your toes, Carson. I hope I'm not. Jelani Woods! Jelani Woods gets a bullet! Game-winning touchdown catch against the Kansas City Chiefs. He had a touchdown earlier in the game, two touchdowns for Jelani Woods, his first two NFL catches. And the last one, the game winner, oh, it was late, 21 seconds, 25 seconds, something like that. Defenders draped all over him, goes up. He's just too big, high points the football, cradles it, brings it in. Ah, so, so good from Jelani Woods. Love watching him have success uh, at that level. Now, did you see how strong his hands were pulling in that football with the guy ripping all the ripping at his arms trying to get the ball away from? Him? Did you see how strong and how good those hands were as he caught the the game winning touchdown in the NFL? Ten out of ten hand strength. Ten out of ten. I mentions um, saying he can't catch and that he's uncoordinated and they're wasting their time by throwing in the football. Where? These people are pretty quiet nowadays. I mean, every time I would tweet about Jelani Woods when he was in Oklahoma State being underutilized, I would get a wave of tweets from people saying he can't catch. He's got frying pans for hands. It's 
He's terrible. He shouldn't even be on the field. I mean, uh, the guy's catching touchdowns in the NFL. And that's my bullet as well. And I think he is a first ballot member of the, what I call the Tyreek All-Stars. Guys who were underutilized at Oklahoma State that are better in the NFL than they were in Stillwater. I think he joins, obviously, Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, is just the most dangerous player in the NFL. And he played backup running back and return kicks at Oklahoma State. They would run it to him off tackle, uh, just completely misused. Uh, Chris Carson, way better in the NFL than he, than he ever was at Oklahoma State. Uh, Blake Jarwin refused to throw him the football. You know, that's what's interesting, Colby. They're so proud and insistent on using their cowboy backs, but they don't really like to throw them the football. They're just blockers. When Blake Jarwin was really good at the NFL level until he got hurt. Uh, Blake Jarwin's on that list. I would put Tyron Johnson on that list, still in the NFL. You know, OSU was looking for a complimentary receiver to James Washington for years, and he was sitting over on the sideline named Tyron Johnson. When he got opportunities, he balled out. Remember that Bedlam game in Norman when Washington was hurt? He was one of the best players on the field. And so I, I think Jelani Woods would uh, join my list of uh, Tyreek All-Stars with his performance on, on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. He was he was so good. Uh, and again, just love watching him succeed. Malcolm was great again on Sunday. Uh, six tackle. I think he had six solo tackles on Sunday. Justice Hill. Carson, I want to give Justice Hill an honorary bullet. He's finally getting a little bit of run. Uh, they've had so many injuries, and he's been one of them. Last year was supposed to be his year when Dobbins went down, and then he went down and, and ended up missing the, uh, the entire season. So he was not the Ravens' leading rusher. That was Lamar Jackson, but he was their second leading rusher six carries for 60 yards yesterday uh for justice hill carson so nice to see the cowboys uh doing it on sundays yeah didn't he have an achilles injury last year i believe it was the achilles yes those are brutal to come back from so that was uh good to see uh, for justice hill what do you got for uh bb yeah we talked about it a little bit earlier uh i was i was planning on saving it for the end the OU band, you get my BB. You get my BB because you're an embarrassment. Uh, you're on national TV. Just every every play doesn't require a boomer sooner. You, you look like clowns when you play it after every play. Someone has to say something to somebody about this song because it, it's becoming a joke that, uh, that you hear it as often as you do after every play during OU games. Also, just a little PSA I'm going to send out to anybody who did not get to see the game in Norman uh, on Saturday night. If you are prone to seizures, highly, highly advise against attending any games at the University of Oklahoma. Night games, that is. Uh, the light shows they got going on? The light shows were insane. It was absolutely insane. I do think it adds to the atmosphere a little bit. That gets the people going. I wouldn't mind them doing that in Stillwater. I know it looks stupid when you lose a game, but I, I just think you know, fans are looking for any reason to cheer. And I think that I think it adds a little bit. Do you not? Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I, I'm not a big... I don't know. It looked like a strobe to me. And I just, I don't think it, that as a fan, I would enjoy the, the constant. Uh, it, it just seemed like it was constant on the broadcast. So maybe if it was like a once or twice thing, maybe if you did it like before the opening kickoff uh, and then at the start of the fourth quarter, maybe that'd be one thing. It seemed like they were doing it almost as often as they were playing Boomer Sooner. So maybe at the start of the game and the start of the fourth quarter to fire up the crowd. But I don't know that as a fan, I would enjoy it constantly for three and a half, four hours. That's fair. Uh, what you got, Carson, for BB? 
Well, let me get my microphone back, plugged back in. I was fixing to say you sound different. All right. How about now? You hear me now? Sound great. Yeah. Uh, my BB goes to my good friends at the Big Ten. Did you see who Northwestern lost to this week? I did, and I've already forgotten. Remind me. Miami, and not Miami of Florida. Miami of Ohio. Who also Miami, what's that? I, you said Miami of Florida. I said who also deserves a BB. They also deserve one, but I think you'd rather lose to Miami of Florida than Miami of Ohio. And even better, the Big Ten was promoting Iowa Rutgers with the punters. They had a full screen graphic with the punters, which was just chef's kiss. I mean, it's it's a weekly endeavor, but it, it doesn't cease to amaze how bad the Big Ten is. I mean, Northwestern made the, the Big Ten title game. Uh, was that last year or the year before? I can't remember, but they've been in the Big Ten championship. Uh, I think it was the year Which tells you all you need to know about that conference. So, once again, uh, the Big Ten getting my VB. Uh, quick notes on Oklahoma State. Central Michigan looked decent this week, and uh, Arizona State, Colby. So, that win's looking a little better after they kind of struggled in week two, but the win over Arizona State's not looking as hot, Colby, because uh, there was a report that staffers were leaking information about their game plans to opponents to get Herm Edwards fired. He did get fired after losing to, I believe it was Eastern Michigan. Uh, so, you know, it's the transitive property doesn't work great in football, but it does get you to raise your eyebrows a little bit when stories like that are going around and, and teams you play kind of fall on their face. Yeah, it does. The Arizona State story is is wild. That, that maybe they were leaking information to get their coach fired. I, I don't know that I've ever heard anything about that uh, or anything like that. If it had happened somewhere bigger than Arizona State, I, I just I can't I can't fathom why it's not a bigger story. Like I saw a couple headlines about it. I don't feel like it's being widely talked about. Uh, maybe it's people have so much respect for Herm Edwards. They just don't want to make a big story out of it, but yeah, not good. What's going on down at Arizona state. Carson, we almost forgot to give Iowa a bullet. They, they finally got an offensive touchdown in the third quarter against Rutgers. It took them until the third quarter. It was two defensive oh touchdowns God. in the first half, but Carson in the third quarter, they went on a nine play 75 yard drive in just under five minutes, capped it off with a two-yard touchdown run. Offensive touchdown for Iowa. Well done, Hawkeyes. That had to feel like watching, like, the Chiefs play if you're an Iowa fan. Like, whoa, where did that come from? A 75-yard <laughs> drive? Like, uh, so, like watching a video game. And to only do it in nine plays, Carson, is incredible. Good on them. Marching down the field. I hope, I hope OSU plays Iowa at some point like when they're good and when Oklahoma State's good, just to see them try to cover Braylon Presley and all the skill talent OSU has. I just I want to see that and just show the people out there that 1990s football doesn't work in 2022. So I hope we get to see that at some point.
I want to see it this year, Carson. I want to see it this year. I want Iowa to accidentally mess around and go 11 and one in that weak Big Ten West. And then I want Oklahoma State and Iowa to match up, uh, whatever the case may be. New Year's, New Year's six. Uh, now, the problem is Iowa plays Michigan this Saturday. I assume that they will get absolutely reamed. They play Iowa, uh, they play Ohio State on the 22nd of October, which is not going to be great for them either. So, uh, probably looking more like a seven, eight, nine win Iowa team as opposed to 11. But, Man, if they could uh, pull off a couple upsets, this would be the year to watch Oklahoma State play Iowa because it would be a slaughter. Yes, it would. And we can stop talking about how great Wisconsin is. They lost by 31 to Ohio State. Penn State struggled with Central Michigan. Michigan only beat Maryland by seven. Like, even their bell cows. Michigan State gets absolutely destroyed at home, 34-7 to seven to Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is this year's Iowa, Colby. They're undefeated. They're getting all this love because they keep winning in the, in the big, bad, big 10. Uh, they're going to end up being this year's Iowa where they get in a bowl game they don't belong to and, and just get just hammered. Uh, yeah, by the way, uh, Michigan State, I don't know if you noticed, Carson, ever since they gave their first-year head coach $95 million guaranteed, they've really struggled to win football games. Yeah, probably not the best decision. That's a little Travis Ford-esque, giving him a 10-year deal right off the bat. Bit. A little bit. By the way, uh, some OSU news before we get out of here, Carson. Marshall Scott tweeted this 15 minutes ago. Mike Gundy today in his press conference talking about Jaden Brace said, quote, he should be practicing this week. Optimism. I, I predicted that, right? I think um, he could have played the last maybe couple of weeks, maybe with a brace on it. Um, I believe it's a thumb injury that he has. But uh, I think they were saving him for Baylor because he frankly didn't need to play the last two weeks. So uh, I think that's. That's something that when we're breaking the game down, might go you know under under talked about, underappreciated. That uh, one of their best receivers will be on the field, and certainly he he brings a different type of threat than you know John Paul Richardson, Brennan Presley, maybe even a Braden Johnson, just with his sheer size out on the outside. So that's that's something that uh, you know Baylor plays physical defense, and uh, I remembered he had that uh, that reverse in the bowl game against Notre Dame where he made a few guys miss and ended up scoring. So watch out for Jaden Bray, not only through the air, but they could potentially hand him the football as well. So I'm excited to see him back out there. Yeah, I hope that we're going to see full-on creativity uh, this weekend. But we can we can do some more previewing later in the week, Carson. I think we, we uh, want we're Braylon. We want Braylon. That'll be it, me yelling at my TV on Saturday. If we don't see him this Saturday, are you giving up? No, I'm just going to tweet angrily about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. That works, too. That works, too. Uh, yeah, so I will uh, – but mark it down. I tweeted – or I uh, I mentioned on this show, my prediction was, what, two weeks ago that they're going to run a reverse to Braylon, and they're not going to see it coming, and the first two guys aren't going to touch him, let alone tackle him. That's that's my prediction. So, But we'll have, we'll have more predictions uh, later in the week. Anything else, Cole, before we get out of here? Uh, don't believe so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey, that's a good bye week. Everybody else loses. Uh, you get to hold tight. Looking forward to Baylor this weekend. We're back later in the week. Go Pokes! <laughs>